Hello, and welcome to a very special holiday bonus episode of Lost in Criterion. I'm John Patrick Rotary Dorgan, and with me, as always, is a man who was killed by a random act of deer. <laughs> I am the Adam Glass, and sometimes your chest just explodes, you know? I'm, I'm forced to assume, not to jump the gun, but I'm forced to assume that the that both deer and samurai are one and the same. All samurai are deer. Yes, you know yes, that, that better than out. anyone. It's, uh, I'll have to go to the Wikipedia page for Bushido, uh, which exists even though it shouldn't. And then, uh, yeah. Pat, it's our end-of-year holiday special. Why did I uh, actually go to the Wikipedia guess, page for Bushido? I didn't need to do that. <laughs> I don't know why you did that, Pat. <laughs> Pat, it's our holiday special uh, where we do a non-criterion film for a general podcast, which uh, gives us a, a little bit of a break, or at least doesn't double our, our end-of-month stuff. Uh, and we also try to make a point to invite friends and this year we have one friend, uh, which is not as plural as it has been in the past, but that's okay. Uh, Stephen Goldmeyer is joining us. Say hello, Stephen. Hello, everyone. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here, Stephen. Um, yeah, last year we ended up with just one guest as well and had a really good yeah, conversation. We, we've not really been able to manage the seven-person guest lineup that, that has happened in the past. Probably for the best, honestly. I, I never want to do seven people again, uh, but I do like to have... And, I remember in some of the seven <laughs> guest ones, it was like someone's across the room and it's like signaling. Yeah. And then someone goes, oh, yeah, so-and-so wanted to mention yeah. that. <laughs> it wasn't a Christmas ago. episode, yeah. but wasn't there an episode way long time ago where Ben was in a car sending us text messages to you? Oh, it wasn't Ben. It was our friend Ryan okay. Ryan Bowling uh, on on an early holiday special, I oh, believe. Was it? Okay. Uh, possibly, uh, possibly Die Hard 2. Oh, I might have that sounds right. Correctly. That sounds right. Uh, which would have been just our second yeah. bonus episode holiday as well. Uh, but yes, traditionally for our holiday episodes, we watch a movie that incidentally takes place at the end of year holidays, the winter holidays. Uh, and this year's incidental one uh, is a movie where I cannot remember how I learned about this movie. I have explored. I have asked multiple people if they were the ones who told me about it. Uh, and they all have at least pretended to have never heard of it before. But the premise of the film this year is so ridiculous that despite it being outside the realm of what we would normally do for one of these, I had to do it. And it I mean, the, to be fair, uh, you've been trying holiday... to make this happen for quite a number of years at this point. <laughs> I, think, I, I think it was on the list last year, too. But uh, uh, we ended up not doing it. Uh, but yes, uh, the 1983 supernatural slasher holiday film, uh, Blood Beat, directed by Fabrici Ange Zafiratos, uh, which is probably right, right, but who knows? Yeah, uh, close enough. There is a way to figure that out because Vinegar Syndrome has done a release of this. Uh, I am not, I don't pay attention to Vinegar Syndrome's release schedule, so that's not how I learned about it. <laughs> Uh, you don't adamantly stay up at out, nights waiting to hear what's coming yeah. out next. You're not. Uh, yeah. It also turns out that Red Red Letter Media, 
uh, has an episode devoted to uh, to this. I mean, uh, I assume they have film. at this point. They're kind of like the Criterion Collection. Don't they have an episode yeah. dedicated to basically every movie ever made at this point? Maybe, maybe. <laughs> I have not engaged with Red Letter Media since I got about halfway through the Phantom Menace review. Oh, I've uh, never actually watched one of their videos. Their first I just release. know they're bad, so I yeah. don't watch them. I've been told by other uh, people I trust. I've heard they've gotten better, actually. That what, I, I imagine they've gotten I, worse and then back to not as bad. I have, but, I have heard yeah. that they dropped the premise of uh, a weird kidnapper giving yeah. movie reviews, Star Wars reviews. There's there's an so. argument to be made that a weird kidnapper doing Star Wars reviews is more interesting than, <laughs> I, I'm sorry to present company, to, <laughs> you know, middle-aged white guys uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> talking about movies. Anyway. That's fair. That's fair. Listen, I'm not... I. I'm not out to pick a fight with Red Letter Media. Oh, First yeah. off, they don't know who we are. It doesn't matter. Two, uh, any any critique of them uh, probably <laughs> pointed squarely at okay, us. Okay, well, some of them uh, are pointed except- squarely at us. Most of them are pointed at us. The ones right. about we- any... They do suffer from the problem of the whole sort of bad movie podcasting that we don't necessarily suffer yeah. from. We generally watch well, only once a year. Except for yeah, this. only once a year do you suffer from that. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yes. And it happens to be the episode um, we're talking about this on, so... Alas. Yeah, <laughs> no. the uh, one last way I thought I had heard of it is that uh, Stephen, for the last two years, yeah, has been, starting last year, has been involved with a a local person here. Uh, yeah, a friend on Twitter. A, yeah, this Twitter is getting very nebulous and confusing. I'm not going to lie. But okay. Uh, yeah. So I have a friend on Twitter who okay. uh, each year puts a collection of Christmas movies on their Plex server okay. and then challenges people who are friends with them to watch all of them between Thanksgiving and New Year's. And last year there were 52 of them. And this year there are 72 of them. And last year I finished them. And this year I'm on number 68 or something. So you're like going that. to finish yeah. them, yeah. basically. A hundred percent. I am shocked because that sounds for the rest un- of the year. That sounds unmanageable. It's so fun. It's really, really fun. And this movie was on the list, so I was going to end up watching it this year either way. Oh, nice. <laughs> this, we call yeah, this synergy. On... That's what that. That's what this is. That's right. That's uh, right. Like yeah. it was on that list. Seventy-two seems year. like it was not too on that many. List in the past. That's not. No. You're having to watch more than one a day, aren't you? Yeah, but so some of the animated ones you can cram in four or five okay. over the course of one. Eyes wide shut, for instance. <laughs> yes. So yes. yeah. So they're not all. So one wins. one day you're, you, uh, yeah. Okay. One day you do three hours of of Stanley Kubrick, and then another day you do three hours of like six different <laughs> like Pac Man animated <laughs> thing and He Man and She Ra, whatever. I'm so, glad yeah. that you like this because if you didn't like it, it would sound like it was actually a form of torture. That's right. I wouldn't do it. Yeah, but I really do sincerely look forward to it. I start thinking about it like at the middle of the year. <laughs> nice. It's <laughs> like get you excited. get excited about yeah. it like July. You're like, oh boy, here it comes. Basically, yes. I yeah. watched. I've watched a few with Stephen this year. We actually just today watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. Oh, I love that movie so year. much. Yeah, uh, it's a fantastic movie that I haven't seen for a few. Years. I save that one for the end because it's yeah. one of the best. Yeah, we watch yeah. that every year on uh, Christmas Eve in this family. I can't help it. It's such a, a nice hokey tradition, but we do it because I just I love it too much. Love it. There's nothing wrong with that, Pat. Lean in. Ah, so our our holiday special is actually started as our first episode. So this is our eleventh holiday special. Yep. <sighs> uh, the very first one, the first uh, Die Hard episode, was the very first episode we ever put out. Hmm. Um, so yeah, this it's been a long road, Adam. It's been a long road (laughs) of lost in criterion. It has been a long road. 
We're not uh, anywhere near done. What, what, per, what percentage through? Yeah, are you? <laughs> uh, we are still less than fifty percent of the actual release titles. Yeah, uh, we are right around five eighty, mm-hmm. um, and I believe currently they're over twelve hundred. But I don't actually know. I mean, you're doing better than I thought because yeah. I, I, they try. It's almost like they're trying to keep up with you. Yeah, they are. They are trying to they torture. Can. They are actively <laughs> trying to torture us. I, I, I contest that they do in fact know we exist and are doing this on purpose at this point <laughs> yeah i really need a new format to come out so that criterion can start doing upgrades yes instead of they haven't really liked uh, the, the, the 4k call. stuff the uhd thing they didn't like relaunch they're just like reissuing the same blu-ray like as a UH- yeah. you know what i mean they're not like they're not restarting like the way they did with laser um Right, really right, which is good really because as long as they're reissuing things, you get a break. Still the same. Number. Yeah, because we would stick yeah, with we would stick number. with the Blu-rays, and we would just like that. No, no, we would just finish. We'd be like, oh nope, UHD doesn't exist. <laughs> oh, None t- of us has a player. That's... None of us is ever going to get a player. Sorry, we're we're stuck here. I see. That's your your plan. That's is my just plan. To restart that's my plan. Yeah. Yeah. I, some sort of excuse to escape the the uh, nightmare treadmill that we're on. All right. Currently, the uh, highest number listed. Is spine number one two one three, uh, Gus Van Zant's to die for. Cool. So we're at we're at about five eighty and currently twelve thirteen. So we well, are and you'll be one up when they one. add this one blood yeah. beat. To the <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. no, no, you'll be ahead of the game. Skip that episode; it's fine. <laughs> no, we'll have to revisit. Yeah, uh, it's kind of true. This is kind of the did. rules, I guess. Number twelve oh one is Del Toro's Pinocchio. Which we just did as a bonus episode a couple months ago. Weird. Yeah. Okay. So that's that's the quickest turnaround. From, yeah. <laughs> from us doing one and that wasn't in the collection, and it ended up being in the collection. Uh, but yeah, Bloodbeat is a very weird movie. Ah, uh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Uh, I want to stop you right here. <laughs> I take issue with some of the terms used in that sentence, namely movie. Which movie? one, movie? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so. Zafiridos, uh, I don't know a lot about him. He didn't make any other movie. His brother does the music. I music like is good. I, the music. Is I, good. I really admire the fact that they they watched something by John Carpenter and were like, like, and it just like, <laughs> took over their brain. They're like, I must must do this. Yeah, but they managed it. I think they pulled it off. The music. No, is no, what I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not maligning the, with the efforts. I will say that it is slightly less focused than a John Carpenter work in the sense that, like, oh, there's a little bit more. John Carpenter is pretty experimental with that stuff, but like, this is sometimes like, hey, check out what this cool setup I have can do. Uh, kind of a feeling to it. It's it's good. It's enjoyable. But yeah, um, <laughs> this is. It's from 1983, right? So it's John Carpenter's early work, if you want to keep a John Carpenter comparing. Uh, I don't think John Carpenter ever shot a movie in a single person's house that I can think of. Uh, usually broader sets. I personally don't towns. know what John Carpenter's yeah. house looks like, so it's possible, but we don't know. <laughs> right, maybe he lives on the base from The Thing. Exactly. Uh, yeah, it's, but, I, but the thing, if you told me that were true... insular. Yeah, I wouldn't yeah. necessarily. So the thing be able takes place basically all in that base. Assault on Precinct Thirteen is mostly inside yeah. of the precinct. Yeah, um, yeah, the one that's right up. Uh, what, I can't remember what it's called. Prince of Darkness, maybe that's oh, in yeah, the Prince church. Of Darkness is John Carpenter loves a mostly he in one place that. movie. Yeah. That's uh, fair. 
pro-life is all within that abortion clinic. I mean, if oh, that, I've, never, I've yeah. not seen pro-life yet. I'm a big John Carpenter guy, and yeah. so the John Carpenter comparison is like really apt because this absolutely feels like the kind of thing he would have made, for yeah. sure. It's just not as clear about what's going on. <laughs> right, right. It's John that, Carpenter, John but Carpenter, like the drugs you can always took tell over what's a going little bit on. and like, uh, yeah. took the reins of the, yeah. of, the, of the planning phase a little bit, I feel like, you know, maybe. Yeah, yeah. that, that is an, a point in, an important point, yeah. uh, is that the title Bloodbeat uh, according to the director, comes from the sound his heart was making with the drugs he was on during production. <laughs> so, um, yeah. Now, now, obviously, a heartbeat does play into the soundtrack quite a bit. It does. But... It does, and it's it's very. It adds a lot of tension. Yeah. 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 I I thought so. I think that um, I I totally understand quibbles with and concerns about the clarity of the plot that makes a lot of sense Mm. to me i do think though that this movie mostly like looks very nice for me personally i really enjoyed the way this movie looks and i think that the music and some of the sound design stuff was really excellent too yeah but also it suffers from what like the biggest sort of signifier of a low budget movie being like the dialogue is like hard to hear yes that was like filmed like in a room yeah and i i hate when that happens because if i think i think if the dialogue was easier to hear this movie would be so much nicer yeah, yeah. and like it, it people might stop saying oh i have no idea what's going on they would say oh it's a little complicated yeah but if we just knew what everybody was talking about because right. i think there are right. times when people yeah. are talking and you just can't hear them you know absolutely i i actually yeah. never i have not looked at the wikipedia page i just opened it when we started um mm-hmm. whose room is she staying in because the one character describes it, and I, I rewatched that scene seven times and could yeah, not understand so, what he said. And it, I really feel like it didn't like, throw the plot. A, I don't know whose room it is. So I'm like, um, yeah. some estranged husband. I don't. Uh, I, I, is he also a samurai? I, I don't know. I thought it was like a lodger who had some connection to like esoteric and supernatural Maybe, stuff. Maybe, right? I also yeah, did not. Because like it there seems like it's missing. the catalyst yeah. for what yeah. happens in some, to some in some capacity, right. right? Like and like I'm like so I don't know it's whose hard body, yeah. whose room this is. So if approaching this movie just asking the question of like what is happening in it, right? <laughs> the, what is the basics of the plot? Yeah. I think that question is maybe not the best question to be asking but if if we're asking that oh. question right i do think that there's like more here uh then um you know if you like pay attention there's more here but i do think there's something missing from that that first description of like right. why is there a samurai suit here or like you know I, you could piece together well the child who had previously cut their finger on the samurai sword and was also connected was maybe the mother yeah. when she was a baby which is what i presumed but that's yeah. certainly not clear like from the movie so yeah so there's just like a problem with clarity but i don't know that it's totally incomprehensible no no you know i don't I mean? think so i think it would it, but i think it does sort of lower in, in the in the sense that like because you as an audience member sort of feel like you're constantly grasping a little bit you're like okay i've almost got it like i can it's slippery right yeah. and you're like if i just had just a slight bit more clarity probably the other other elements of the movie would shine through a little bit better because you wouldn't be wasting right. so much sort right. of mental effort trying to do that to a certain extent does that make sense you can relax into it a little bit yeah i totally get that and it's and and a major part of the lack of clarity is as you were saying is the the audio the dialogue not being clear at some some pretty important points i thought so yes yeah well i mean it's low budget Uh, right they they presumably they they really were limited in the number of takes they could take probably their audio setup and then 
they're like, well, this is good enough. Like we can, we can. Right. And then, you know, it's probably too late at that point to go back and fix anything. And they didn't ADR a bunch of stuff over, which is what, you know, you would, people would would normally do. do. And that would look bad. Like that would not feel good. Right. You would watch that and you'd be like, oh, they, because that never works. It never works. Even like biggest budget Hollywood movie ever. People talking over themselves in a film just looks bad. So are are we to uh, assume that your audience has seen this, or should we? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Listen, if you haven't watched this movie, <laughs> go watch this movie. It's insane. Yeah, I mean, we don't, uh, we don't, <laughs> we don't typically do a recap of the of the plot unless there's some point that we think is interesting that we want to talk about. Like, so it's right. really sort of like the idea is like, well, you should watch this one. Uh, it won't take very much of your time. Uh, you will confuse anybody who is in the room but not paying attention. That that is a guarantee. Yeah, I'll do, Rumi I'll do a was quick plot deeply, default. deeply confused about what I was oh, doing. Oh, I'm sure. With my time. I'm sure if you walked in. Yeah, <laughs> I'll do a quick quick plot recap. Okay, uh, guy brings his girlfriend to his family in rural Wisconsin for Christmas, home for Christmas. Uh, his mom's a psychic. His girlfriend's a psychic. His girlfriend starts having visions. His, his girlfriend is possibly not a psychic. <laughs> that's okay. Yeah. Yes. She's but she is certainly linked in some way to the weird thing that's happening. Yes. Yeah. Uh she uh starts having visions of a samurai warrior who starts murdering the neighbors every time she orgasms. Uh yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah. I mean yeah. if we're being <laughs> and, perfectly and fair, possibly like we don't you know, like it's really weird, like, so the the samurai, like, the uh, sort of, for me at least, the thing I sort of struggle with as I was watching, it doesn't take anything away from it, really, is, like, she's not the samurai, but the samurai is controlled by well, her orgasms? I don't... <laughs> um, yeah, that's a, that's a fair question. So there's, like, some sort of malevolent entity, which is the samurai. Yes. And it certainly is totally possessing and inhabiting her by the end of the movie. Right, yes. But you are right that she is not putting on the costume, doing a murder, and, like, and then running then back to orgasm back. in time for, like, the, 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 exactly. the, the scene. Yeah, yeah exactly. Exactly. Uh, and uh, there is the extended sequence where uh, she is having some sort of spiritual sexual encounter with... Thing with the samurai, oh, yes, exactly. yes, while the absolutely. samurai is murdering something else. Yes, that's yes. right. Yeah, uh, while the murder, uh, while the samurai is failing to stab a waterbed, despite Chekhov's waterbed clearly yeah. needing stabbed. What a bummer! Uh, really under. Okay, and then the final point of the plot is this is an entity that the mother is familiar with. Yes, right, uh, and that may be the. <laughs> so yeah, so my my read is basically uh, that the um, girlfriend. Had either in a past life or somewhere down her genetic line or whatever is this samurai okay. she is descended from or associated with the samurai in a past life and this this suit has ended up in this home and um she's been drawn to it right uh and as she arrives in the home this like berserk samurai like comes to life at the touch of the blood from her like family line and when the mom previously got stabbed by the thing she's not the right blood right so the samurai didn't have a way in couldn't wake up but this is the right blood and now it wakes up but the mom still is connected in this way to know that when this girl comes to the house she's immediately like that's the she needs to get out of my house because she knows it's the right blood because she has 
has the supernatural connection to the samurai. Yeah. That's my take. You know, the movie does not explain no. any, of any of that stuff. Yeah. But that's my take. Now, based off, I do yeah, think the movie is better because the montage it explain that stuff. Because what you would end <laughs> yeah. up with is the Hollywood solution, which is a, like a two minute like voiceover narration at the beginning explaining the history of the samurai blood shit. Right, you would like hundred percent. Legend right. tells us that, and then you would just have to listen to like two minutes of that. That's right. The samurai absolutely does not need a backstory, and the movie is more ridiculous and more. <laughs> well, it, I think I, I think it's worth noting that it's, it is in part ridiculous because none of the people involved are Japanese. Uh, that is something that's weird yes. about it. Yes. That is something. Now, that's weird okay, about I have it. a solution yeah. for this. I have. I do have a theory about that part. These are, this is stolen uh-huh. samurai armor. And she has the blood of the person in some capacity who stole it. Who is oh, yeah. not like, I'd like it's that not too. it's it's yeah. not where it belongs, and that's part of the whole deal, is it it needs to be if you made a sequel, they would have to take it back to the the clan from whence it came or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You've you've pitched, I think, a uh perfectly perfectly <laughs> fine sort of alternate reading and also a perfectly fine like punch up if you were going to do yeah. you know right exactly but, when uh, i make the, the remake okay. in, in a couple of years this yeah. is how it's going to we are going to we're going to provide a little bit of extra framing probably just about a about a 1 minute sequence at the beginning no voiceover but maybe like some like um some british dude shooting a samurai who's trying to defend a castle or something and then taking the go. armor or something like that i think it's probably enough we right? can't yeah. We can't tread too far down this path because also, Bloodbeat has I've a sequel. Discovered. No, the oh. Red Letter Media guy has talked about remaking this movie. Wow. Oh, well, so. I mean, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's. I mean, I think. I think. Well, that's. I to me that says something though, because I think people who watch this go, "Hey, wait a minute." Instead of being like, "This is just absolute there's, trash." There's something here. Yeah, ignored, there's something right? here. Yeah. People I think watch the it main go, thing you could do to mess this up though, just a little bit more. I agree. Yeah. The main thing you can do to mess this up, though, is not take it seriously. Right. Yeah, right. Like the thing that's so satisfying about this movie is that like this guy's just like very wedded to his very serious vision of what he's trying to accomplish. Absolutely. There's no jokes in it. No. You know? Yeah. And I think if the red letter media guys like remade it, I'd be very worried. Oh, yeah. About no, no. no they should. They're the wrong choice. No fun. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm thinking David Lynch. <laughs> that could rule. Yeah. But or, or John Carpenter. Oh yeah, well, yeah, I, I, well of know. course, of course. If <laughs> John Carpenter remade this movie, it would be just this movie, but better, right? His, it would just one be of his this. greatest. It would just be better than yeah. this. But yeah, <laughs> I I was from minute one struck by just how like very nice the nature shots were. Oh yes. yeah, 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 absolutely. Like it's very very competent. Like very nice to look at. I don't really, think the people making yeah. this are bad at what they do. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like they. Well, I think that the writer director might be bad. Who? who which one? But the writer director. Yeah, the main uh, guy. The main guy. Yeah, I mean the <laughs> cinematographer. Uh, the cinematographer's not bad at his job. Yeah. So yeah. interestingly enough, the cinematographer who is credited on uh, on this as uh, Vladimir with a W, uh, Vladimir Mall, uh, his IMDb page, presuming that it is correctly identified as the same person. Uh, has his name as Vladimir Von Mall. Uh, and this was his first work. He has gone on to do a lot of other stuff that does not look like it is... Safe for work. Safe for work. <laughs> okay. Uh, it is aimed at adults, let's say. Okay. Yes. <laughs> a 2018 movie called Kinky. 
Uh, well, I mean, is 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 our is our good friend Vladimir von Mall uh, still working to this day? Yeah. Okay. Great. Uh, appa- well, appa- seemingly, uh, directed a short in 2022 called The Runner. Okay. Um, oh well, the, what's the director of photography on a short in 2022? He has not directed his own things that I can see. Uh, but in any case, uh, one fun fact about his work on this movie is that he just assumed it was made for TV, which is why this movie is in uh, in uh, three four or four three format. It's because that's not an that's unreasonable assumption. It. I feel like. <laughs> I mean, Given but that, that story happened. is bonkers to me. Yeah. <laughs> no, it is absolutely crazy. <laughs> and the director, the director, apparently not noticing until half the footage was already shot. I mean, again, the director uh, seemingly was on a lot of drugs. That's fair. Not not seemingly, admittedly. <laughs> no, I, I, well, okay. The reason I said <laughs> by that his is own, he said it was when he was writing it. So we don't know that when he was directing it, he was on a lot of drugs. I'm assuming that that true. process continued, but I don't know for certain. Yeah. He may have been sober yeah. as a stone when he made this. When he actually f- shot the movie, he's like, "No, no, no, no! I only get high yeah. for the writing part. Um, I got to keep a clear head when I'm when I'm filming." Yeah. It's, yeah, I don't know. It's possible. Uh, <laughs> How are you getting to the cinematographer's I, web? Or um, I, I cannot find him anywhere on IMDb. Like, I can't get to his page i want to look at his page and i well, can't get to it it's well, killing the, me. the way i normally do that is uh go to the page for the movie and click all cast and crew and then i don't understand down. how i do not in fact understand how um imdb works okay uh that's because it doesn't you need really to anymore. teach me live on this podcast because i, I do not usually understand. use letterboxd for yeah, this kind of letterboxd stuff. would make sense too um but yeah uh von mall is good, <laughs> like yeah, good. It's very Just, competent. Yeah. yeah. Listen, I think the the there are like three main criticisms of this movie, and none of them are that bad. Which yeah. are the sound is very cheap, and so it's hard to hear what's going on. Uh, the writing lacks clarity in some places where it really needs it, and um, I can't. I had a third thing in my head. Um, but I mean, those are the main things. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. To something about someone's acting, I don't know. No, the acting's all fine. Yeah, the acting's fine for what it is. Certainly. Yeah. yeah, the the VFX are like cheap, but you know, effective for what they're doing. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, the, the, I, like, the VFX are cheap. I think this movie. Like, like, I I have a real serious affection for for neon pen on film stock. It is. Yeah. Wonderful that's right. Every time, it will never it's not a, be. Great. It's a stylistic. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Oh, and I think that it's a very fair criticism criticism that it's a little boring at times. Yeah. The pacing is a little slow at times. So it, it seems weird to have a movie that has like so much weird stuff going on in it that's also a little slow, right? But that'll happen, and I think this is an example of that. But otherwise, I mean, right. like you you edit edit it up a little bit to make it a little more faster paced you know you um uh you add in a couple of clarifying you know adrs <laughs> and uh uh yeah then it i think this is a basically as good as any sort of like weird you know we watch so many for for this like movie night that we do we watch so many of these kind of like low budget semi supernatural like thrillers this one's not worse than any of those no. <laughs> it's and like it's this better is a perfectly, than a good chunk of those that's right yeah. <laughs> this is like a perfectly good uh yeah i think yeah 
it's interesting to see people react to it saying it's so bonkers it's so wild and it's like i think it's like a little underexplained and a little boring at times well, but otherwise it's not more wild than like like the demonstration dummy at the doctor's office <laughs> starts telling a guy to murder people which is a movie that we watched called pin i, I, I think people so, are you know, reacting to the fact that like to a certain extent we've talked about i've i don't know that we've had this direct conversation on the podcast before but i've definitely we've had sort of tangentially related ones people have become very very accustomed to a very certain style of hollywood filmmaking that is that hyper explains mm. um mm-hmm. and so when mm-hmm. things and, and that wasn't always the the dominant style like in, in filmmaking in many ways and so like especially if you get something that's a little bit more experimental a little bit more um sort of uh independent right. Like you're getting into people who are like act- actively trying to avoid over explaining, right? They are they're pushing right. back on sort of the way the way Hollywood is developing, right? Um, and you get like, I mean, is this more bonkers or less bonkers than THX one one three eight? Like, you know what I mean? Like, in, yeah. in terms of like Le- less, clarity. it's also it's also less boring than THX one one three. Yeah, that's but that's what yeah. I'm saying, right? Like, and, and we're talking about like those are admired. That's admired as like extremely like experimental film, I agree. right? Like, yeah. You, there is a time period where artists were at, and that time period still exists. It's just getting harder and harder, even than it was, where people were actively working on the idea of like, well, maybe I don't need to explain everything. Maybe I don't need to like, maybe the pot doesn't have to be the most clear thing in the world. Yeah, I think another thing that happens with things like this is when it sort of enters public consciousness, Vinegar Syndrome releases it or whatever, it's immediately becomes a meme. Of like, oh, samurai in Wisconsin or whatever this was. Yeah. That's weird. Right. That's right, so right. wild and, and crazy. And that's absolutely the reason I picked this movie yeah. was because I heard about it and I thought that's weird. That's right. That's crazy. Yeah. I want to watch well, that and, movie. And, and there's nothing there's not yeah. like oh, there's nothing inaccurate about that framing. It just does become a little bit of a meme, right? Yeah. Then you read all these like tweet tweets or letterboxed reviews that are like, This was so bonkers, and it's like uh, you know, <laughs> that's the meme. Right, I don't know right, if it right. is as bonkers as you know the the meme sort of makes yeah. it out to me. I I I will in my defense, I suppose, as I've said, I didn't know this was a, like a meme thing. Yeah, this yeah, a movie totally. I, I didn't even know Vinegar Syndrome had a release of it until uh, we sat down to watch it this year. Yeah, when when it was on my radar for at least twelve months now. Yeah, well, I, the synopsis makes it sound much weirder than it actually right, is. I think right. actually. I, I, well, that's the thing is, and in, in the end, like well. I think what what feels weird, if I had to point out a thing that feels weird, it is given the nature of like what we've come to expect for these kind of like slasher films and stuff like that, it being something that seems so out of place, so disjointed from the place it is in, is what is part of what sort of mm-hmm. triggers people, right? Like it is the samurai suit being in Wisconsin that is, it's like sure why the f- you 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 know if you if you waste too yeah. much time going like why the fuck is this thing here. It will sort of consume yeah. <laughs> your your every moment of the movie, right? right? It which, dominates. Which is almost yeah, irrelevant because yeah. <laughs> in almost all of these kinds of movies, whatever the sort of I don't want to call it MacGuffin, I don't know what you would call it, the sort of instigator is yeah. something stupid, as you said. Like, uh, yeah. you know, it's, yeah. it's just I like this right. one is also yeah. is both weird and stupid, but like lots of them are weird. Like, um, if you think about every movie like this you've ever watched like well yeah but like this doesn't make more or less sense than any of those other fucking strange things that suddenly set off a slasher plot right i agree with that yeah having watched like all of the puppet master movies recently right (laughs) like you know before they start getting into like why do these puppets exist you know uh yeah 
after not that long, you start to be like, yeah, oh yeah, these puppets are alive and they, you know, they can murder yeah. people. That's it. I think if, you know, if there were two more of these, <laughs> you know, right. you would be like, oh yeah, the samurai suit, it possesses people. Not uh, Whatever. <laughs> not for nothing. The Puppet Master prequels are my least favorite Puppet Masters. Yeah. Yeah. So. Some of them are pretty bad. Yeah. yeah. For a lot of reasons. But <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Anyway, if you want to have me on for a Puppet Master movie one time. I don't think that'll ever happen. I don't That's think not. so either. It's very unlikely <laughs> that Adam could convince me to do that. Let's be, let's yeah. be very clear yes. here. This is the closest to a Puppet Master movie yeah. we'll get Pat to watch. I wouldn't, I wouldn't well, try to we've convince Well, there's been a lot of conversations on this podcast and between me and Adam outside of this podcast about what the very ill-defined nature of what I will and will not watch. It's mostly a very yeah. vibes-based <laughs> thing, and I don't know how to explain it. Like... Because, yeah. like, as we talked about, I've seen some, like, a fairly no- decent number of John Carpenter movies, but I do avoid the ones that I know I won't want to watch. Uh, despite mm-hmm. the fact that I really, really admire John Carpenter's work, I just know there are certain ones that are not going to, like, do it for me. Um, like, movies that are labeled horror movies are some of my favorite movies in the world, but, like, mm-hmm. I don't consider them horror movies as a sort of cop to m- making my brain not get mad at me. Uh, so yeah, like if you convince me that I would actually like a puppet master movie, I probably would watch it. I, good luck trying to do that. I cannot convince you of that. Yeah, exactly. I, and I am, I am curious how your sort of like slightly horror averse mind approaches a movie like this one, right? Like, does this not feel like a horror movie to you? Or, um, like I, be, it. I was a bit worried about it. I will say, I, I did, yeah. I did, I was a little bit. Uh, I had some trepidations about it. Uh, I will admit. Um, I can write off like a certain amount. Of, like I gore doesn't gore the sort of like violent score doesn't bother me, like right within limits. And this didn't seem to be exceeding those limits um at all, not even a little mm-hmm. bit. Um, but like I don't know. Like mainly it's because Adam told me I had to. Um, <laughs> that I agreed to do it. Uh, and and because this is not the sort of movie I would seek out. Like not because I I don't yeah. Think not it's not a value judgment on the movie it is a like this is not the sort of movie i go looking for like i yeah. like i like like weird sort of edge case sort of independent film that's like made like on a budget i find all that stuff very engaging uh i just don't watch it in this genre you know what i mean like i totally try to find that in other genres uh again this one didn't stretch beyond any of the my sort of personal mental limits uh yeah. mainly because it just never got scary but again like yeah you know, I, you know like people tell me like fucking aliens alien is listed as a horror movie on most streaming services yeah. i do not find alien sure. scary i find alien very exciting and i love it you know what i mean um, right like yeah, yeah the shining is listed as a horror movie i do not find the shining scary uh i don't consider it a horror movie in my mind uh yeah but i love it you know what i mean it's it's a very yeah. nebulous thing and adam has never I can't nail it down, so therefore Adam has never been able to nail it down. Yeah. Well, and so I'm also interested in sort of so slasher movies come from the world of um, sort of melodrama and crime drama, right. and and crime sort of mystery more than they come from like a horror, right? So like there's this idea that 
um, sort of like a possession movie is in the same genre as a slasher movie. And that's hard for my brain to wrap around sometimes, right? Um, this is a movie that has kind of both of those elements, right. but like a, a monster that's killing people, you know, if you just imagine that as a human person, right, then it becomes a slasher movie. And if you right. imagine it not as like killing people, but then instead like sort of stalking and torturing them or whatever, it goes out of slasher and more into horror. So I don't know. There's something there that like... Um, I don't know. People are scared by different things and sort of the right. vast array of things that fall within horror. And I am interested. I personally have found, I didn't know this about myself, but I personally have found I have come to love slasher movies. That's interesting. And this yeah. basically counts as a slasher movie. See, I mean, I'm there's the a exact guy opposite. slashing. I'm the exact, the yeah. slasher is the one genre I know I don't like. Right. Like I, and this, this I definitely identify you know, as in the same sort of family of tropes. This had some of that yeah. and it did bother me a little bit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I do think uh, something I've observed with you, Pat, is your uh, your distaste for slasher movies are that so many American slasher movies, particularly, also have a uh, a sexual politic. Yeah. That yeah, that's probably part of it. That's definitely. I also find with, the idea right? of of sure. I find, despite the fact that the most dangerous game movie is not very good, I find the idea of people being like I don't know the idea of like a thing hunting something like somebody else like deeply upsetting just as a sort of core concept I don't mm -hmm. things mm -hmm. being stalked by other things is deeply upsetting I say but I also love Alien I don't but Alien is not like a single yeah, person right. I, I, know I don't know how to explain it like Alien is is being trapped in a room with a thing not being chased down a hallway by a thing I know what even mean. though she definitely gets chased down a hallway by a thing yeah I don't know it's very weird yeah I know it's what you very mean. weird it's hard to predict what's going to yeah. resonate, you know? Yeah. Well, I'm glad that you managed to watch this without... Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this one was not... This was not without terribly challenging me. because the supernatural so. elements made it so kind of like... Like, not what I... You know what I mean? Like, not straightforward that made it... I think that's probably what makes yeah. Alien acceptable for me is the fact that it's not just... Right. It's not just dude with knife chasing woman who's maybe just got out of the shower. Like it, yeah. it's a little bit more complicated than that. The complications make it acceptable, or something like that. Yeah, and this movie's got complications. Oh yeah, it sure does, does have yeah. complications. <laughs> I, I've got to. We have yeah. to talk about I, the end scene, though, because the way in which the samurai okay. is defeated is is probably the wildest part of the film. Like, so her kids okay. join superpowers that they have yes. to make it explode. Uh, yeah. Did I read so, that right uh, is know, my question. Did I understand what yes. was happening? As far yes. as I can tell, yes. Okay. <laughs> yes. The, the, her, her children find that they also have a, a, at least a fragment of the power that their mother had, and it has awakened through the course of the conflict of these events. Partially, I think, the, the daughter awakens her powers first, I think, because she has that sort of like conflict with the with the mom. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. When the mom is kind of, you know, trying to read her mind and push her sort of thoughts on her. Um, so she sort of realizes it first. But, yeah, I think it's, you know, I think the, the, the kids have each maybe half the strength that the mother had. And so they're able to push back and fight against this. Thing. I, I found yeah. myself curious about that, because it, one of the things that's uh, kind yeah. of a fascinating thing to kind of think about in your, while you're while you're watching is. I was curious about whether or not we think the daughter has always been aware of her mother's capabilities and it's just being expressed sort of like naturally in the dialogue or she come, becomes aware in that moment. Because um, it's not, obviously hmm. it's not clear. It's just sort of a more of a speculation thing. But like, 
I, I, in my mind, I imagine that the daughter is the only one who's aware of mom's psychic powers, essentially, in sort of permanent, like over over time. Yeah, I I don't know. It's just interesting. Yeah, I don't know if the movie ever expresses that to us. Lets us know one way or the other. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I sort of like the interrelational ending yeah me too well, i didn't say anything yeah, like it. i just i think i think it is the most sort of like save their mom kind then, of right? yeah the thing in the movie that is most sort of to me a little bit unexpected in it, in a movie full uh-huh. of things that are somewhat unexpected is the most sort of like <laughs> oh i didn't see that as the way we were going to solve this problem yeah uh sort of solution yeah yeah it, i uh i was watching it here and adam can probably confirm i was cheering yeah. Yeah. I thought it was awesome. <laughs> uh, meanwhile, I was just confused because uh, Sarah's recreation ad- <laughs> turned into the uh, the samurai full on. Yeah. Uh, put on the makeup. Yeah. Wondering what was going on, yeah. even though I saw her put on the makeup. <laughs> uh, but yeah. <laughs> Is a, Yeah. It's, you know, it's a, it's a strange ending. Yeah. You so know. I've got the Wikipedia page open. Okay. And, Bearing in mind they know uh, as much as we do. Again, I was confused at the ending of this movie. I was about to say the same thing, Pat. Everybody who was yeah. who wrote that Wikipedia Obviously. page knows yeah. as much as we do. <laughs> Absolutely, one hundred percent. In their plot synopsis, it suggests that Sarah is re- is a reincarnation of the warrior, and that that is an established point in the in the film. Uh, I yeah. don't think that's I don't know established. If it's established. But I buy it. So. Yeah, I'm fine yeah. with it. I I like my version of the story, and I think the movie leaves enough room for interpretation that we can, uh, yeah, kind of mm-hmm. go with whatever we want, basically. Yeah. Another thing that's possible is in the moments at the end when the samurai was talking and we couldn't understand what it was saying. Yes. Maybe it said all those things. Well, maybe it did. Yeah, it's possible. Right. I'd have to watch it again. <laughs> well, there's only you one know, choice. Maybe we we'll just do a, a Paul Bart <laughs> mall cop thing with this and just watch this same movie every time. This every is, every no. week, <laughs> every, no, there's no more there's no more yeah. podcast. Not just every holiday episode; it's just every episode yeah. from now on. Uh, I refuse. Okay. You guys can start your own podcast. And uh, well, we got to come up with a clever name for it if we're going to do that. Uh, well, if it's uh, called call it Blood Beaten. Blood okay, beaten so we're not going to uh, go with Blood the, Beat Mall Cop uh, as our uh, no, 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 probably not. A little. Uh, I mean, the worst idea of all time is already taken yeah. <laughs> with this exact same premise. Yeah. Any other sort of like revelations from the Wikipedia plot synopsis? Not really. No, the I, the the Wikipedia plot synopsis is, as you said, written by someone who who also <laughs> Do we watched the movie yeah. like we did. Uh, we have we certainly have a have an issue have a history of taking issue with plot synopsis on Wikipedia compared to mm-hmm. because because the act of writing a plot synopsis is an interpretive act right absolutely yeah definitely and I, well I often take I issue think, with them because uh, sometimes they're like clearly in contradiction with the text on screen oh yeah 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 <laughs> and you're like God. and so with, I, with I, I do text. that because yeah. I'm like we'll read the plot synopsis I'm like wait a minute anybody reading this plot synopsis did not learn what the movie was like what happened on the screen yeah and uh, and a lot of those disagreements come come around uh instances of uh consent oh yeah that's mm. a real big where, one it happens a yeah lot. where whoever wrote the plot synopsis definitely reads that situation differently than, right. than we did right uh, um so most of the stuff on the wikipedia is uh modern modern commentary uh as far as like reception goes 
Right. No one saw this movie when it came out, right? So <laughs> sounds right to me. Yeah. yeah. How, how uh, widely did this didn't release, get a wide release. When it came out? I'm 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 actually quite curious. Uh, do we have any information about that? Transworld Cinema released it on VHS in 1985. Okay. Uh, and then, <laughs> uh, okay. And then. Vinegar Syndrome put it out with a 4K restoration based on a 35 millimeter print that had water damage. Uh, yeah, that was missing the closing credits. So yes. they had to do that from the VHS rip. <laughs> yes, yes. Because the closing credits. That would were explain definitely... the sudden shift in yeah. quality that happened there. Yeah. 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 Uh, Vinegar Syndrome did track down Fariciange Zafratos and Von Mall to do interview tracks mm. for their release. Yeah. So I wonder if that would reveal, you know, I, I mean, the thing is, like, I actually don't really care don't much. Care yeah. yeah. Uh, but I think. You know, well, I think it might be interesting the, to hear a, a commentary by the exactly. director. I think that would be a, a legitimately fascinating thing because, like, anytime a director can offer, like, "Hey, this is what I was thinking when this happened," I think that is a really uh, interesting thing to engage yeah. with. Yeah, but. well, especially because I suspect he's going to say a bunch of stuff that's even weirder than what we saw on screen. Right. Right. Like, right, right I bet right. his explanation of what's going on is even he, weirder. He's got no <laughs> other credits. Who knows what he's been doing for the last. 40 years trying yeah. to get uh, blood beat so, to greenlit we probably yeah. explaining the so samurai a, thing frankly i'm yeah. sure he's got a lot to say i i will say i did discover this one of the producers of the film is a man named Henri zafiratos mm-hmm. presumably our director's father uh Henri uh is uh judging by his name and the names of the films he directed uh, a French film director, uh, but born in Vietnam. Hmm. Oh, interesting. Uh, okay. So I don't know. There's there is an aspect to a French director making a film that involves samurai ar- armor outside of where it should be. Mm. Uh, that plays into some of the tropes of. Uh, Right. French Orientalism, we've talked about frequently on this podcast yes. over mm-hmm. the years. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but also, I don't know. I don't know that there's enough substance to that in this movie to actually comment on it, even. Yeah, I mean, so you know what? Again, maybe this is like I've watched too many of these movies, yeah. but like you can just see the DNA in this of like I thought it would be cool, so we oh, made yeah. it. Absolutely, it's not, you know. And I know that all of it comes from somewhere inside of someone's brain. I thought it would be cool it is not like an excuse, and therefore there's no further interpretation necessary. But also, like there are just a lot of yeah, a lot of very low budget you know, these kinds of movies that got made because someone was like, I thought it'd be a cool idea to do X or I thought such and such actor would be cool to have playing a guy in one of my movies. So I wrote a guy for him to play, you know? So yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't know if any explanation we're going to get is going to be more satisfying. And you know, yeah, I'm fine. (laughs) Right. right, right. (laughs) I, you know, yeah, I, I, I did enjoy this. I think more than um, uh, other folks did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, I think yeah. probably well, we, that uh... you, what you mentioned before is that when you combine some a little bit of off pacing with a yeah. with a kind of a premise that seems um, ill considered, maybe even uh, yeah, with you know, 
you start to it builds up enough like sort of like cruft about that kind of stuff that you start to get into the world of like people sort of instantly writing off even the viewing experience right because right? you 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 get out of movies in many ways what you take into them right so if you go in expecting trash you you will yeah. you will start to miss the things that are engaging or interesting about it. and i think that's true of a lot of films that get labeled like bad right is that like yeah it, i i i was very guilty in years past of like wanting to engage with movies in that way and i have come to kind of like regret not like my books i didn't make any podcasts about it but like necessarily but <laughs> um like engage with them a little bit more earnestly with, with the idea that like well somebody wanted to make this exist right like somebody right somebody desire like had enough desire to at least like put the effort into like putting the materials and the and the uh like the the sort of necessary like moving parts to make it happen right um yeah and like they did that for some reason, right? And like g- digging into what that reason is, is I think a thing that I, is very fascinating to me. Like, I enjoy reading those. Like when, when like for example, I do this with with video games more than I do with movies. But like those sort of retrospectives that direct, like creators will make, where they like, okay, like I, I find there's something very engaging about the idea of like listening to somebody go through, like, well, you know, hey, this is where this started. This is where I wanted it to go, and what percentage of that was accomplish what they desired versus what you know because every artist makes um concessions to sort of the nature of their 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 context of the situation around them and the things they can and can't accomplish right like i would love to know here like the director talk about like well what were the concessions like what things did like in the vision had to be sort of given up because like you know budget and stuff like that you know because like right presumably because nobody ever produces the thing in their that's in their head like it never happens. Yeah. Well, I think a related question about this for me then is how does this particular director end up making a movie in rural Wisconsin with a Czech cinematographer and a non-professional cast? Yeah, I mean, the backstory I'm, I'm uh, sure is quite interesting, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I... There's a very good chance it's an interesting backstory, and there's like a whole sort of something. There's also going on. a really great chance that it's not. Oh, yeah, and, absolutely! And right. Like just, just putting out there, right? Like you know, he did a bunch of drugs, wrote a screenplay, and then told his dad, "I want to make a movie." Right, and right. his dad said, "Call my Czech friend to be your cinematographer. <laughs> I'll give you just enough money to film this in the woods somewhere. So find a place where you can right. film in the woods." Right? Yeah. It's you know. worth noting um, that Von Ball, you know, his um. He graduated from the Art Institute of Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah. He did move to the and U.S. So Got it at a I mean, young age, he seems, he so. like Chicago is not that far away from Wisconsin. Sure, right? Uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, like, it's quite I mean, possible they just literally swing a cat without them, like, hitting the, the check uh, right? cinematographer. <laughs> yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, uh, you know that. And like, I I think a lot about how like Manos, the Hands of Fate, was made because a fertilizer salesman made a bet with somebody. Right. Well, right. You know, it yeah. like movies just get made. And as far as like movies that are just made by a guy who doesn't really know what he's doing, this one's closer to the top quality wise than than <laughs> right. Manos, the Hands of Fate. But also there w- there's like a very Manosy kind of feel to parts of this. Yeah. Um, but 
I say that as someone who like kind of respects, uh, you know, the the slow burn of Manos, right, which right. you know, don't don't tell too many people I said that. <laughs> like I have not engaged with yeah. it in a very long time, but yeah, I well, that's the thing, right? Is that like I did watch, you know, we I think probably all of us watched a lot of MST3K as like as young people, right? Yeah, and like there was always a sort of element that like I I was in it for the jokes, but like I was also definitely engaging with the story of the thing to a certain extent right yeah. like there's always you can't just watch it without doing both right and uh and as i've gotten older i've kind of engaged with the idea that like oh that's that wasn't like the wrong way to consume that that's probably to a certain extent what they wanted as well right like they kind of also wanted you to like also enjoy watching a movie you, you know what i mean like it's not just to make jokes right there's also a hey you're supposed to also enjoy the act of watching a movie. Yeah. 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 I, I definitely think that like, you know, I, I don't, I don't want to get too precious about sort of like watching a movie the wrong way or the right way. And it like stuff like that. It is something to think about when, you know, like the room first came out, it was like, you know, a Tennessee Williams, you know, like, um, Gothic drama and then within a couple of weeks of it being out, they changed the billboard to say a black comedy because uh-huh. everybody was laughing at it. Right. <laughs> so right. I don't know. Um, yeah, uh, these creators sometimes don't like it when people laugh at their movies. Well, like yeah, not to like <laughs> sort of they have to roll with it. Maybe like, to make money. I've never seen the room, but like <laughs> my I've always yeah. gotten the impression that Tommy was so like has a very odd relationship with his own work at this point, right? A person who is also just sort of right. has an odd relationship had an odd relationship with his work before he before it became famous right but like yeah even more so now yeah i I mean it's really it's really i think i and others are attracted to having conversations like this about a movie like this one when it so obviously is this this writer director like trying to achieve a vision that is his vision right like a sort of a one guy project um it's just very attractive to kind of have those these kinds of conversations about these like one guy projects um and so that's maybe part of the reason why this is compelling in the first place is it is you know like when the writer and director and like main funder and sort of the brain behind it is just this one guy it is just what he wants it to be you know um and there it does sort of maybe speak his brain directly out into the world in a way that like a studio movie doesn't you know what i mean like we're, it's just very close to his actual brain because he has yeah. control over so much of it, and that might be part of why it's so fun to watch and think right, about these yeah. kinds and, of movies. And sort of the thing I was getting into is that it's it is both his his one like his one conception of what it will be, but it's it's the interface between that concept and the re- and the nature of the real world that I that always drives me is like, like yeah, certainly there are things like you know what I mean like when you like any sort of art form, right? When you go to put pencil to paper or whatever, right? There's the sort of like, how clean is that interface? Like how much does what's in your brain actually come out and get represented in the way you imagined it in your mind, right? And certainly this, presumably, he wanted you to be able to hear the the dialogue. You know what I mean? Like (laughs) presumably that was important. Presumably, yeah. And that's that's a a minor technical issue. But what I mean is like, well, are the actors portraying it the way that you imagined? Are the... Is the cinematographer able to show what you want to show? I find that stuff just really fascinating. Like it's, it's... It's enough reason for me to watch almost any movie, but especially this kind where like I know that there's essentially one dude 
dream this up. And yeah. like, yeah, and then it didn't, and then so, something happened. Like a thing happened after that. Is is I don't know. It's yeah. fascinating. It it makes me think of this movie I saw a long time ago called American Movie. That's about these two guys. It's basically one of these like one guy kind of. It's a documentary about a guy making a movie and about the realities of trying to like turn that that vision into um, a reality. And that I think the movie they're making is a, also a slasher that's kind of similar to this. So yeah. yeah, I don't know. I, I definitely am interested in stories like that. So if there was like a documentary about <laughs> this movie, I bet that'd be kind of compelling. It would need to be a document. Well, the thing for me is that like more often than not, when people go to make a documentary about a movie like this, they end up turning it into its own comedy thing. And I would like to watch a very, a very certainly I guess I meant what, like a contemporaneous like documentary while while they were making it yeah, yeah. not a retroactive right, like right, worst right, movie right. of all time yeah 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 I'm sure it was I'm sure I'm I'm sure there's an interesting story there somewhere or again maybe there isn't well I mean <laughs> like, my, my, maybe this my, is exactly my what this guy wanted <laughs> you know almost every <laughs> movie probably if you did it right has an interesting story in the making of it just because it's such a fucked up process that like none of them ever go exactly according to plan and like certainly not when half the people involved don't know what they're doing right so yeah yeah i i've been thinking about this movie a lot in context of what i guess i might call regional cinema Uh uh-huh U.S. pocket indie cinema, mm. you know, uh, and so much of locally produced meant to be, you know, maybe you'll rent a theater in the next big town over and and show some more people. Mm-hmm. Uh, but stuff that's not necessarily made for a national audience. Right. Uh, and I'm sure those little pockets exist everywhere. So this one is an example of a Wisconsin regional cinema. Yeah, yeah. Whereas, you know, I don't know. Thinking of The Blob as Pennsylvania regional cinema, or mm. even the works of uh, George Romero as as maybe particularly Pittsburgh right. regional cinema, or or even those killer raccoon movies. Oh yeah, yeah. that are Columbus yeah. specific. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and there's you know there's a good chunk of even outside of the works of Travis Irvine. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there's uh, there's Poser, uh, yeah, which mm-hmm. just came out here in Columbus as a very Columbus centric movie mm-hmm. but a movie that uh i know it's it's hard because i I've, I've also just named some <laughs> examples of of what i think of when i think of regional cinema that are you know internationally popular right? yeah you know and i would think that the you know something like uh uh slacker is regional texas cinema when it's made but <laughs> leads well, to uh <laughs> National Isn't that career. sort of a version yeah. of sort of survivor bias sort of thing, right? Like we only know the ones we know because right, right. they because because <laughs> we know them, right? Like we only know the ones we know because they got big enough to escape the sort of regional bubble confines, right? Like I was gonna say I earlier, think, like I yeah. don't think these get made as much anymore, but I don't know that that's true because like how would I know? Right, that's right. We'll we'll know in thirty or forty years right. when Vinegar Syndrome releases. Right, I think that this is a really interesting point, Adam. That like, um, you know, I think there's just always people making movies for their local sort of friends, community, yeah. whatever it might be, and then um, 
you know, those aren't necessarily meant to be seen by you and me and Pat, right? right? Like, you know, they're, they're meant to be seen by just like, oh, like the people who are in that area or whatever. Yeah, they- and then those filmmakers are trying to go on to make the next thing, yeah. you know? Um, and and yeah. Manos is an example. I, exactly too, right. right. Yeah. Exactly right. I think a lot of these movies that sort of, you know, are revealed later on, you know, like um, I think a lot of these Vinegar Syndrome ones, but a lot of these ones that, you know, become cult movies later on are ones that started life not necessarily trying to get seen by everybody right. in the country, you know? <laughs> or maybe at worst the person says to themselves, like, well, you know, if this takes off, maybe I've got a future in this career, but like, hey. Right. That kind of stuff. Yeah. We'll just yeah. move yeah. on to the next thing. Yeah. Right. I use the term regional cinema for them in thinking about it as like regional theater. I right. know what you mean. Yeah. Like, you know, I, I think that's exactly right. A small circuit. And I also think about like, you know, the Dog May 95, uh-huh. whatever. It's just a group of people making movies for each other right. with like a specific community and maybe even a specific set of rules, certainly within the context of their own group of people. Yeah. That if you watch it outside of that group of people, you might find something to appreciate. But certainly the people who they're trying to please are like the other, in the case of Manos, the other people people in Arizona, yeah. you know, who live in this town or whatever, who are all actors in the movie, you right. know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. You know, I, and I think whether or not the director approached Bloodbeat in that way, I think probably didn't, but certainly the, the people in it. It does, are... it does feel like it sits in that context <laughs> yeah. better than the context of like, you know, a national, nationally released, you know? Right. Yeah. 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 I would definitely be curious, you know, like, like you say, what, you know, what did it look like when it premiered yeah. in that, that town or whatever, wherever, right. you know, like, I don't, I don't know. I, I'm curious about this so much with these like re-releases and cult found later on kind of movies is like, you know, Vinegar Syndrome would say they're like preserving things that would otherwise yeah. be lost. And it's like a lot of things are going to be lost. How do you choose? <laughs> and I think a lot of the times Vinegar Syndrome chooses to preserve the things they can get access to not necessarily the things that are so important or whatever it's just well we have this this print of this movie and you know we may as well release it or whatever right well i mean you you get into the sort of the the criteria capitalist as archivist right like that we talk about with criterion all the time right which is like well how do you choose what to archive well you choose what will make you money to archive right like what will will be profitable for you in the long run to keep yeah. But then at the same time, like there's an argument to be made that like, well, everything's worth keeping. Anybody's art that they made is has some sure. inherent value that's worth keeping. And of course, you're choosing the ones that like will make you money. But like that doesn't make the the artwork less. Right. Like it doesn't reduce the value yeah. of the thing the person made uh, just uh, despite the fact that a bunch of other things will also just disappear. Right. They'll just cease to exist because nobody bought. Yeah. It, right. Um, I, I would be curious about who is doing the uh, Lost in Criterion version of the like Vinegar Syndrome catalog. Oh, yeah, that person definitely exists. Gotta, they do have a big catalog. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I looked at it once and was tempted for a second, as I am when I look at any list. Any of list. Right, like, yeah. Oh, tempt, so tempting, this list. Well, the problem is, right, as you hmm. run into is that, like, well, like, inherently whoever's doing that or be, is going to probably be doing it as a bad movie podcast, which I – now considered possibly the lowest form of art. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I definitely have also like soured on sort of like the watch it just to make. Yeah, fun I mean, of I, it. I, yeah. I, I was yeah. definitely engaged with it in pre, like, it, like before, Me but too. like 
I don't know. It's just it, it feel it feel like it turned dark at some point in, in some way. Maybe it always was, but it, it turned dark for me that it's like, oh wow, like you're just making fun of people who yeah. tried really hard to do something. <laughs> like this doesn't feel good. Yeah. You know, and and again, you're maybe taking something that was like shown and everybody had a nice time right, watching right, it yeah, over the right. course of one weekend and then being like, ha ha, look at this thing that people had fun making. It's yeah. yeah. Anyway. Look at this thing yeah. we made for our like it's like it's like Americans funniest home videos, but the people didn't submit it themselves necessarily to a certain right, extent. Right? Right. Like, <laughs> oh, I made this for my my friends or like my community, like not for people across the country who yeah. have no familiarity with the context that, that being said i think most people do make movies with the off chance of like well maybe if it turns out good it'll get like you know what i mean like the yeah. off chance like we're doing this for ourselves but if it were to just take off and like but you don't expect it yeah. to be taking off because it's bad right you expect it to take off because like it engage because like plenty of famous direct you know art artists and directors sort of started that way right like that's a, it's a kind of famous story right you make a thing because you like making it and then some people take notice, and and suddenly you blow up, right? Like right. I think a lot of people probably do start that way. The issue is, is that it's blowing up for probably the opposite reason for why you would want it to. You want like something about the story right. to have engaged somebody, and they go, "Oh wow, like this is way better. This is like a a hidden gem, not a hidden turd or whatever." Basically, which is the way it's often treated. Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's not. Yeah, it's not as fun, maybe. To <laughs> yeah, not for them. Uh, yeah, exactly. It, uh, it's and so there's there's yeah. something very dark about that in the end, right? Like you're taking yeah, yeah. It, it did take off, but like, you know, you end up with like some people who maybe are like wish it had never, right? Yeah. Well, so I just found a list uh, on Vinegar Syndrome's uh, official letterboxed of I guess what is all of their movies. Uh huh. Yeah. It's, it, they just call it Vinegar Vinegar Syndrome filmography. Up-to-date filmography from Vinegar Syndrome across genre releases, etc. Um, so I've seen apparently 12 of their 487 releases. Wow, they're releasing so. a lot of films. Okay. Yeah. You're well on your way to. I mean, are, do they yeah. do they release physical? Ver- I don't know much. I I know the name Vinegar Syndrome, but probably not for the reason they would like me to. Um, do are they? Yeah. Because I know it because um, I guess. Oh God, this is so complicated. Um. The guy who made Rick and Morty, who also made that video game, who was a sex pest. Uh, you are thinking of Justin Roiland. Yes. Okay. Steven, I don't know if you'll remember this film. Yeah. But uh, the, the Vinegar Syndrome release that is wholly contained within High on Life mm-hmm. is Tammy and the T-Rex. Oh, yeah. I love that movie. Yeah. It's a fun movie. That movie is so weird. Uh, I saw that movie long before I, Vinegar Syndrome put it out. I say I love that movie. It's a terrible movie, it's, but I do I do remember it, which is weird. more than I can say yeah. for a lot of these. Yeah. Uh, Denise Richards plays a teenage girl whose boyfriend uh, has his brain implanted into a dinosaur. Uh, T-Rex. Yeah, the boyfriend's Paul Walker. Yes, Paul okay. Walker as the boyfriend, yes. So, I mean, like, very... and, and then in yeah. the end, what you say to yourself, uh, is this any weirder than a samurai, a possessed, like, spirit-possessed samurai helmet? Oh, certainly not. In Wisconsin? No, I'm telling no, you. No, it's not. This is the thing. So, if I look at, like the, like, the plots of each of these movies that are on the list that I've seen, right? So, from beyond the Stuart Gordon movies, weirder than this one. Alien from L.A. is, like, about as weird as this one. The Jack Frost horror movie, the plot of that is weirder That's than one this the ones one. I've seen, yes, um, yeah, I've, I've famously Hobgoblins, uh, Boggy Creek and the Legend Continues, um, Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, 
Yeah, these are all Vinegar Syndrome movies that I've seen. And, you know, they're all weird. You know, I think you could pick out of a hat any of these 500 movies, whatever, watch one and be like, that's a very, very weird movie. (laughs) But then what we what we run into is we run into a problem, which is I think one might be able to argue that nearly like a high percentage of movies in this world that are not just straightforward dramas are really fucking weird. Like, if you really, like, yeah. look into the, like, gaping mall that is any given superhero movie for too long, <laughs> what you're see- looking at is something really yeah, fucking weird. weird. I mean, so maybe then the, the the what I'm sort of hinting at is this movie so off the wall and weird and bonkers yeah, not- is not a helpful thing to exactly. say. That's right. yeah, exactly. Because that's true same, of a lot of same. movies. Yeah, exactly. And instead, what you the- should maybe be saying is, I noticed how weird it was because it wasn't great at explaining itself. Oh, right, today, exactly. Which yes, is a more accurate yes. yeah. criticism. The, <laughs> the amount of letterbox reviews that mention Haozu. Right. It's nothing like House. I don't understand why they're mentioning Haozu. That doesn't make any sense to me. I know why. I know why. I know why. So it's it's uh, because of the the rotoscoped on screen visuals. Okay. I think that's a hundred percent why people do that because yeah. it just like superficially looks a little like some of the stuff you see in House. The, that's my take. Right. <laughs> I think I think House is a famously weird movie. That's also true, and I think that's why it gets compared here. Yeah, it's probably um, a, a combination say, of the two, right? Like it's a famously weird movie that yeah, I think also that's right. has some probably. visuals in common. I think that's yeah. right. So. You know, uh, too much on Vinegar Syndrome, probably. But I saw Tammy and the T Rex on like TBS, on like a late night TBS thing. So that's a very uh, we're showing cult movies because they're cheap and I can get them. Uh, Pat, I know you saw uh, uh, Jack Frost. Yes, at a very young, uh, at a very early in age. like college. <laughs> Not very early. I was in junior uh, high school, but yeah, yeah. Oh, were you in junior high? Wasn't that young? But that was probably, you know, some some friend of yours got a DVD of a weird movie. And, like, stuff like Blood Bee yeah. thrived on a cheap VHS. Right, absolutely. Right. And, and, and Blockbuster, right? Like, a cheap VHS right. with a cool cover on the Blockbuster. That's shelves. right. And that's all you need, And, like, right? bored because kids you don't know. that would yeah. just look like at a cover. Years yeah, that's old. right. Fucking pick it up. Go for it. That's right. Blood Bee's such a great name. Right. Yeah. It is... It is. It is Got also it. fascinating that Bloodbeat, the name has nothing in common with the film, which I think also <laughs> helps in the sense that you're like you get no information <laughs> yeah. from it at all. Like, it, you it, do not, you it does not tell you anything yeah. about what you're about to see. Certainly, yeah. Like Jack Frost kind yeah, of wonder. tells you. It's a cool cover. The cover of Jack Frost is cool, um, <laughs> especially since it's like it's on the shelf at the same time as the other Jack Frost, which is also very funny and cool. Like That's your brain starts to when I watched you know both this year. Yeah. They're within a year of each yeah. other. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I. You know. I. Uh. I'm. I'm grateful for weird Christmas movies because then they'll appear on this podcast and in the lists for the challenge that I do. <laughs> so. I'm yeah. glad they exist. I don't know. I. Uh, <laughs> we might go back and and finish up the Shane Blacks for next year. Yeah. Because I think I think Iron Man three might be the only Shane Black we have left that actually takes mm. place at Christmas. Um. I mean that's a different sort of cra- uh, like weird and mania of of making all your movies take place <laughs> at Christmas. That is a whole other, a whole different sort of animal, right? <laughs> the party scenes in Kiss Kiss Bang Bang are weirder than anything in this. Oh, one hundred percent. Like somebody had right. to say in right. a sort of production environment, the, "This is what I want reindeer. on screen." Yeah. <laughs> it's like, okay. yeah. Whatever you say, boss. Yeah. 
Let's yeah, go get those go go case da- yeah. reindeer dancers and see what we can make happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, the original music we talked about at the start because it is Carpenter esque. Yeah, uh, in good ways. Uh, the use of pre-existing music in this movie is also ridiculous <laughs> to the point that I loved it. Yes. Yeah. Uh, when or when O Fortuna starts, that was so in, unexpected. In that was deeply so unexpected. <laughs> oh my god! I, I yeah, my ears I think our brains so are hard, trained yeah. to think. Yeah, I think we're trained to think that that is there as like a joke about yeah. like too dramatic of something. <laughs> no. But it's just played so straight. It works like pretty well. It does. For, yeah, it was very good. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. I, I think I clapped when that started. I think we all did. Well, yeah. I just, I didn't so clap. Good. I rewound. I watched it again so I could listen <laughs> yeah. to the song. Again. Like, are you serious? I, <laughs> like, it may often be used as a joke, but that is also just such a deeply engaging song. Or like a cor- It's so well done that you're like, even besides the film, you're like, well, I could just listen to that again. That's. And then you combine it in with the, with the, with the audio effects that are happening, like, layered over top for the film. And it's like, which are really pretty disjointed from the song right you know what i mean like there's there's like this like weird pinging like very much synth pinging noise going on over top of the song it's like this is really wow this is this is a really odd experience that i i like we're really digging very deeply into somebody's mind right now yeah yeah uh so one thing we have not engaged with which is it just is is the sexual politics of this movie uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I have not formed fully formed thoughts about it because it is so confusing about that. But it is worth noting. Mm-hmm. I think that we sort of glossed over it, the samurai kills when she orgasms. Okay, like yeah. that's uh, to be fair. The the first the first attack is just when she has a heightened emotional response. True. That's true. That's true. Uh. Yeah. So, uh, orgasming is a heightened emotional response. So, uh, yeah. So, but, so there's that. But it brings to mind that like, it, it, it's a very it's a very odd choice of supernatural connection. Like it is a very like, and, and I, how are the victims? We don't. The victims are just basically random, right? Like as far as we know, like because she's never talked to any of it's these. It's the next. Yeah, that's right. It's just the next person that people right. with the entity the sees. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, so you know, I do think it's worth talking about, but I do want to at least start from a point of putting it in the air that I'm not convinced the movie has a lot to say. I'm yeah. not either about sex. I, I, I also think agree. I think, that's not I think necessarily the, a, a yes. I think the movie thought it would be cool and sexy if yeah. this happened. Yeah. And that does tell you something about what the politics of like the guy who made the movie right. thinks. But yeah, I don't know if there is a real sort of sexual politics here. Right. I think it's just like a man who thinks it's cool when a woman does sexy things is is the so, guy who made so it. So my I, I come <laughs> yeah, at it from the opposite the direction from how it comes into existence. So that's more of what I wanted to talk about is I yeah. think dude wanted to have an excuse to have sex in his movie. And yeah, it deri- that's basically and it worked what backwards yeah. from there, right? Like derived a reason from. I that, think that's right. Like it's um, it's yeah, a fascinating pretty, idea, right? Pretty convinced that's the case. Yeah, he yeah. thought it would be sexy and cool, so he put it in his movie. I yeah. think there is also a chance 
obviously looking at the sorts of uh, other movies uh, his dad made, for instance, uh, presuming that Henri is his dad. Uh, it's actually his weird that, uncle. Uh, <laughs> everybody's got one. Um, you know, the, that sort of thing seems to exist in his father's oeuvre. Uh, sex for sex's sake. Uh, blue movies, whatnot. Uh, but also, in a time when the slasher genre is in its infancy, uh, that violence and sex is tied already. Yeah. Uh, so it's almost like he just got a check mark of things that make a slasher film. I think that's right. <laughs> yeah, that's like, also well, kind of the one thing, the sort of the thing I, I wanted have... to dig into a little bit was that idea as well. Because, yeah. like, I, you know, you like know, like, I was chit chatting with Rumi while we were watching it. It's like, well, we know that a nipple is coming from about a million miles away, it's practically <laughs> launched from yeah. space. Uh, and that's just an interesting thing to know, right? Like you like watching the movie, and you're like, "Well, I know that I know that there's going to be a minimum of one naked woman in this movie, guaranteed." Yeah, and I know, and I can see it coming from a million miles away. Is a is a fascinating sort of like, oh, like these movies, even this one that is so kind of off the wall in a lot of ways, has it adheres to certain sort of genre requirements. In a yeah. in a very rote way, and I, that then that that's fascinating. I don't I don't know. But it's just, it, there's I not don't lot, the think it's in a rote way. To say, but I think the sort of the context in which the movie exists is is does have a lot to say in all, in some ways. Yeah, I think that's fair. I don't think it's a rote way because I think he's not using sex in the way slasher movies of its era did. She's not. She's not punished for wanting or not having. Oh well, to yeah, no, I, yeah, it doesn't have that that sort of element. I, yeah. I was thinking more in the fact that, like, oh well, we have to have a naked woman in this movie. Basically, it's yeah. it's got to happen. Um, kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so you know, maybe it's telling that like the the thing that's doing murdering is is having sexual gratification. Uh huh. You know, that's a thing that's not uncommon in yeah. slasher movies that some of the some of the murders derive from the sexual gratification of the killer um you yeah. know that's not uncommon uh yeah but but you know i um i do think that some so for instance some some slasher movies are made with the conceit in mind of you know like sort of enforcing a certain kind of gender and sexual right. politics that's probably not this one, this right. one and yeah. other ones are coming from a place of like subverting gender and sexual politics right to do something more interesting that's not this one oh, either no. right i do think this one is just like sex is interesting yeah. you know and like it's see it feels a little dangerous risque right. and so we'll associate it with the murders right and i think it might not be sort of more sophisticated than no, that I don't think but it it's i think it's very related to what you're saying pat which is that it feels like it feels like that's just like if you just take a cliff's notes off of what slasher movies do it's like yeah. sex connected to murders got it we gotta well, exactly. make sure we get yeah, that yeah, in there yeah. right well, yeah. we can't forget that. Yeah, part, and I think right? you're not wrong about that. <laughs> Oops, I think you're not wrong about that. Yeah, yeah, uh, but yeah, I you know I think um, uh, I just happened to watch uh, Black Christmas uh, because it's on the list also for for my challenge, and um, you know it's like it became before Halloween. It was like a real genre defining kind of slasher movie. Oh yeah, and um, sort of the the one who's doing the killing certainly has like some sort of like psychosexual stuff going on and you know but the the woman who sort of like makes it to the end spoiler alert right um 
you know, is not a prude uh, and is, is not sort of like the virgin. She's like sort of, I don't, wouldn't say an icon of feminism, but certainly uh, um, embodies some of these feminist ideas of body autonomy, you know, and, and women taking, taking control of their own bodies, etc. And so, and that was before like a lot of these other sort of like movies that Halloween inspired that did totally the opposite thing. And it is interesting to see a movie like this one, which is so obviously within sort of the slasher milieu, but yeah. is not actually doing either of those things. Right. <laughs> it is like very, there is something kind of uncanny about yeah, it. Yeah, something anyway. separate, some <laughs> separate <laughs> other third <laughs> thing that is neither of those other two yeah, things. Yeah, some yeah. secret. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, this is that, 1983, uh, right? Like, this is not that much later than right. all those other movies we're talking about, right? Like it's, it's, Right. Yeah, that's right. We're not talking about a thing that's so it's far the same down kind the of lineage context. of these sorts of films that, like, the framework yeah. is fully, like, the framework's so rigid that you can't, like, depart from it at any, at any point anymore, right? Like, it's, right. it's 1983. Yeah. It's just, you know, when did Halloween come out? I don't, I don't know off the top of my head, but it's... 78. Yeah. Black Christmas was 74. Halloween right. was 78. Yeah. So it's like... And Black Christmas, like, you know was a big influence like there's like you know first person yeah. like killer shots that are used later in halloween anyway i just was struck this year by how great black christmas was but anyway <laughs> one of the movies we watched each, this year is brian at home was uh blowout mm. oh yeah uh, and it opens with a parody of because the characters the characters in blowout are movie makers and it opens with a parody of a slasher film uh and i remember there's a there's a really great interview with the cinematographer on the dvd uh, uh, as an extra on the criterion release where he talks about how he was so excited because he'd seen halloween and he thought that it was done so unnaturalistically the first mm. person shots mm -hmm. and how he was going to do it right uh and then he got there and De Palma wanted an exact parody of, yeah. <laughs> of the Halloween first person shot. Very the, funny. The Black Christmas first person shot. He calls out Halloween specifically. But yeah. uh, totally. I yeah. think Halloween was uh, huge compared yeah. to Black Christmas. But yeah, right. I think, yeah, very famous. Yeah. yeah, that's very funny. It is. Yeah, I, I don't know. You could have like days and days of conversations about like genre and stuff like that. And it, I think there is something here. Um you know, something about this movie sort of, I don't know about defies the, the oh. tropes of each of the genres, but certainly does draw from a couple sort of more textured versions of the genres it's sort of playing with. Another thing I think it does defy is that there is there is a genre of holiday horror. Mm. And this is really a movie that fits our criteria better than than that. It is a movie that happens to take place at yeah. Christmas. Yeah. Uh, not a movie that whose plot is right. Well, it specifically right, doesn't have a Santa doing a holiday uh, or, or something. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. That, right. It or just yeah. happens or... to be a Christmas, right? Yeah. Yeah. It like, if you take away the Christmas tree in it, I'm not sure you would yeah, know, you know, you know, right? it's just, yeah. It, the holiday was an excuse to have the family the outsider come out yeah. and, the, and the family come together. Call it Midsommar maybe. And yeah. Then, yeah. <laughs> you get the same thing. <laughs> Well, it's I also think it's story. fascinating yeah. that, like, you can also see identify some of the budget constraints and the fact that, or, like, in the sort of, like, constraints they were operating under. Presumably, he wanted it snowing, right? Like, you can't even tell <laughs> it's winter except for when, like, they're wearing sweaters and it's and, and there's a Christmas tree, right? Like, it's, 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 it's not, very gray. The, the holiday's borderline but, invisible, right? Yeah. Because it's not even snowing. Plus, the only time, the only time anyone willingly plays Monopoly 
Right. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but they've been That's hit, over, hit over the head yeah. by some sort of eggnog related injury. Yeah. That's <laughs> <Yes>. yeah. Right. <laughs> God bless it's, that cat. Yeah. For for laying on the monopoly board. Yeah. <laughs> You've saved us all. Yeah. 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 I think I uh, something on the sexual politics of the film. Uh, again, all things aside, yes, as we're all in agreement, the sex is there because the director wanted sex to be there. Uh, the boyfriend, our 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 male lead, I suppose, uh, is just Ted. Ted's reactions to anything are just weird. Yes, absolutely, and the fact yes. that. The fact that the first sexual encounter of the film is yeah. is him showing her to his room after she's freaking out about something that just happened with his mom and pressuring her, pressuring her into having sex. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> that makes it more like uh, a lot of other slasher movies. Yeah. For a second. But like, but, I w- I would like him to be killed then yeah, if right. the movie cares about that. Right, right. He should be like the first. Yeah, I thought I really thought he's not. He's the hero. I was really kind of yeah. He's the hero of the movie. He didn't die. Yeah, he murders her in the end. Correct. Right? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 That is one one issue to take with this movie is that uh, Sarah is not saved. <laughs> um, she. She's not saved from this weirdo. I mean, so yeah. that's one thing that's also appealing about something like Midsommar is like someone's brought in from the outside and everybody on the inside of this group is weird and bad. Yeah. And she is like a victim of their weirdness and badness. But she was brought in where at least led to believe everybody's good in this family. The mom is actually fighting on the good side. Yeah. The two kids are the good guys. They're the heroes of this movie. She, the outsider, is the bad one. Which yeah. is, like, weird. I don't know. I generally think of these movies as you bring the good people from the outside in to get killed by the bad people who are right. on the inside of this weird thing. Right. But actually, this is more like a maybe like a home invasion. The bad person comes in to the right. good people's house and kills all of them. I don't right. know. There's something sort of different about that, which then, yeah, it's so weird. Like, that scene where she's being pressured you could see that setting up like, oh, well, she doesn't feel at home here because there's bad stuff going on, right? right? And she can feel that in the air. But in fact, she's the bad stuff going on. She just doesn't know it yet. Yeah. Which, <laughs> anyway. Well, it which makes maybe sure that's interesting. I would put like it more in the genre of like yeah. the parasite yeah. infection sort of thing coming into the community. Right. It's more like an alien or something like that in that capacity. Right. Like, sure. oh, the bad thing has come inside and is now going to try to yeah. destroy this place. Um, yeah. yeah. Like a like a Michael Myers Halloween, yeah. you know the 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 malevolent entity from outside right. invading the family, whatever. But because yeah. the malevolence, its manifestation, never seems to be something she intends, controls, or understands. 100%. Yeah, uh, it always seems. I never lose sympathy for Sarah. I know. Well, I, until I know. she's murdered. That is definitely like a, <laughs> right. I, I wouldn't say flaw, but certainly a little bit of a hiccup yeah. uh, in following along with this movie. Yeah. Um, and that's really why yeah. I got confused in the last five Yeah, minutes. yeah. Right. <laughs> You're expecting her to be saved why? and she's not. So like the thing about it is I would say yeah. that in some ways one might s- identify that as part of why this becomes a sort of cult sort of movie that people are watching because that's a subversion of, of, a, of the plot characteristics which we're, we're used to, right? Like yeah. it doesn't, to us the sort of 
the grammar of film and stuff that we've become accustomed to, it doesn't track, right? Like, it doesn't happen the way things are supposed to happen in these movies, right? It, not, it yeah. doesn't follow any of those rules correctly. Right. And the sequel to Blood Bee is a Wicker Man, where the outside investigator comes to find Sarah and discovers the weird psychic family. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that could be fun. Yeah. 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 Uh, but yeah, you know, that's... Plot-wise, that's, that's where the movie loses me. Uh, we watched this with our friend Ben, uh, who couldn't be on the episode, unfortunately. Um, and Ben's... Ben seems surprised that you and I <laughs> liked the movie. Yeah, I think I think Ben was bored, and I yeah, think that's ben a perfectly bored. fine it is, reaction to this. I, right. I will I, admit to being bored yeah. at times. I zoned out a couple of times and had to rewind because I was like, oh, shit, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, yeah, I would not blame anybody for having that reaction. Right. Yeah. I was engaged by the music immediately. Mm-hmm. Uh, the visuals helped in the first the first i think a lot of a lot of the slower first act is visually interesting for its establishment of yeah isolation uh yeah i i would be curious to see how someone's tolerance for this movie matches with people who have tolerance for the movie skinamarink uh, uh i've not seen it i, I have pat, a lot i have pat certainly has no that no, will never no, happen. not recommending that will never yeah happen. It is, um, yeah, I I don't know. There's something to me that can be very compelling about sort of like a mumbly kind of uh, yeah. vibes-based experience that, I don't know, I, it really appealed to me in a lot of ways. I, like, really, I will be thinking about the hunting scene where, like, all the whole family's training their guns on the deer, yeah. you know, and it's so strange to look back at that knowing that she is the like quote unquote the villain right right when it the is heroes really are all like going to, to kill about, right? this deer yeah it i'll think about that for a, a long time about what it means that she's the villain in this movie when she's the one who like wants to save the deer from like the violence i don't know anyway <laughs> yeah so I, there's parts of it that i really really stuck with me and are, are going to have me thinking about it for a while and i imagine if i watch it again i'll actually find more um, texture to it that I didn't necessarily find the first time of things that are actually maybe more subversive than I thought more sort of like I say textured than I thought um, because I sort of was just rolling with it and was I found myself pretty yeah. much pretty much into it the whole time yeah so, I was I was yeah. pretty engrossed most of the time too. yeah uh, but yeah there are things I'm gonna look back on and remember like you know like the, the shot of like the deer hanging from the tree with the blood dripping out oh, of yeah. it there's some really really I think cool stuff that, that was in this movie yeah, I, I outside of shots, uh, there are some sillier things that happen in this movie that that I'll think about a lot. Like, yeah, uh, when Gary puts the neighbor's body in the truck and then the truck can't start. Yeah, so he's just, so it's going, just there for the rest going, of the movie. He's going go to <laughs> have to go on a horse, he says, but we never see him get the body. Yeah, so presumably it's just there. Yeah, and that's stuck in my head, which you know it's. Not a plot hole, not a problem, just a silly thing. It's a that, funny thing that happened. Yeah, yeah. That happens. Yeah. Uh, presumably the family now has to get rid of Samurai Sarah's body as well. Right, right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I also really liked how, you know, there was like a vent in the middle of the bedroom floor. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the light was coming up through it that created these weird effects as people would move through the room. Yes. Yeah. There were like vents like that, I think, at my grandma's house or something that sort of like went all the way through. So that very much sort of like felt, 
it was a nice touch having that kind of weird lighting effect in that room. When I lived in Maryland, we had vents like that between our finished basement and the first floor, mm-hmm. and I fell through one. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> so maybe not as yeah. not as nostalgic a memory as <laughs> I. Uh, I caught my leg on the first floor, so I I kicked out the the vent mm. in the basement, uh, but did not fall all the way. Well, good. So, <laughs> Phew. But, yeah, that's why Adam is but, still yeah. alive yeah. to this day. That's right. Uh, well, I mean, I would have fallen onto a cast iron wood uh, burn <laughs> like fireplace. Oh yeah, man, uh, mm. on a brick on a brick pedestal. So uh, I would have hurt myself a lot. Yeah, if, uh, yeah. And if that would have happened, Pat, you never would have had to watch Sallow. It's this true. is true. <laughs> yeah, I, my, this is just some sliding door shit. Sliding doors, butterfly, butterfly effect, etc. <laughs> my life completely <laughs> changed. I I would be a much more normal person, but also less able uh, to have conversations other people don't want to have. So mixed bag. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah, but, mixed bag. But yeah. fun conversations no one else wants well, to Well, I mean, fun for me. <laughs> Where you have to when I'll start just... like, oh, that reminds me of a movie I watched for this thing I do. Let me tell you about it. And then their eyes glaze over. And uh, it takes me a bit the to realize that they in the last hear four it, days. So. You know, times in the last four days where I've said, let me tell you about this weird slasher movie I yeah. watched <laughs> so that I can have a conversation with someone about this. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. See, I don't have very many people in my life yeah, we, other than you, Adam, to do that with. And so as a result, yeah. I mostly bottle up inside. And then occasionally somebody will say something offhand that sort of like triggers a memory of some movie we watched. And it's like, oh, oh, sorry. I didn't oh, yeah. mean to. I tortured you yeah. with a discussion I, of this I, movie. I, I, think I, I think I can be a little insufferable during the Christmas challenge because I'm watching so many movies right, right, so yeah. rapidly <laughs> and I just want to talk about them with you got to You've got to get them out. Right? you got to decompress. you got to let that out somehow, yeah. right? Yeah. I just got all these, these... It's processing in my brain all the time, you know? Yeah. Mm. Uh, the other thing that I'll think about a lot is the, the music at the campfire scene. How, oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how that guy was playing free form, yeah, free form harmonica for some and, reason. But then it sounded like someone was like whistling along with it or yeah. something. Yeah, yeah, it was very weird. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, yeah. There's a lot of very weird stuff in this. Uh, where where it's yeah, where they didn't put enough care. There's kind of some off moments. Yeah, there's in off this. moments. <laughs> yeah, I, I did find the campfire scene confusing because I lost track of who was who. That's a that's more of a me problem than a than a normal person problem. But I was like, yeah, or Wait, or, or why huh? it's happening? At Who's all? this person? Uh, yeah, but just random. I think yeah. just random. I mean, the fact that all of the violence are random people that the family doesn't even know. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, well, uh, what, what caused me trouble? House, I suspect didn't cause other people trouble. Is the whole the whole face thing? And I was like, oh wait, are these? These are the same. Mm. This is the same person. Wait, why is he alive now? Um, right. And what with the flannel shirts and all, and me using mostly uh, clothing and hair color right. cues to figure out who's who in the world. Um, yeah. So certainly there, there were the two sort of older gentlemen, the 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 husband, the partner, whatever, and yeah. the other guy who I could not really place who was who. Yeah. yeah. Luckily, one of them got problem. murdered pretty quickly. So. <laughs> Yeah, the the uncle. Yeah, whatever. I guess an uncle. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't like, really clear. I th- I thought it was his brother, but I I might not have. Um, yeah, 
Yeah. I don't know. Like I said, I I don't I a lot of the dialogue didn't sort of stay in my brain after they said it, and it part I think it was partially because of the bad quality. Yeah. Well, yeah, you yeah. you had to really put a lot of effort in it to get it, and then even when you tried, sometimes you couldn't get it. So it's sort of like, well, yeah, you sort of at some point have to agree with your like allow yourself to let go of it, right? Which is what you end up doing to make it through the whole movie, right? It's like, well, I guess <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to understand what's being said all the time, so I'm just going to have to like find other ways to understand yeah. what's going on. Uh. Is is in defense kind of requires you to do some weird sort of mental gymnastics, I think. Yeah. In defense of the letterbox reviews, I will say the uh the kitchen sequence where Gary's getting attacked by everything. That's very house. Yeah. yeah. There um yeah, the way it's shot. The way the objects yeah, are. Like yeah, I mean flat, it is but like, I think that, they that's blur also the background. Tr- like yeah. that's also its own sort of trope, right? Is like the things flying around the room because of like something like yeah. si- supernatural happening. Like you know, one could also argue that's very um, Star Wars. I mean, I don't know, like you know, yeah, it, it, not not to like I, dis, discount that. It's just I, I that I can understand why if you I combine that with other stuff, you would go to house, right? That makes sense. It's just you know, like yeah, it certain it certainly was one of the more cartoony sections of the movie, right? Um, the way that it was shot, you could sort of see the strings pulling stuff off the shelves and. You know, when the stuff was flying through the air and they had sort of like the blurred background. Yeah, that was one of the more cartoony sequences. And I do think of House as having some very cartoony Well, yeah, sequences. House is very, very... Well, I think that some of it has to... My, my issue more in many ways often comes down to like intentionality, right? Like, I don't think they wanted to make this goofy. House is very much on purpose, like... A hundred percent Cartoony, right? right? Like, that it is, is, that is where goofy. Yeah. That is where the house comparison is just not very useful, right? right? Is that house is definitely doing sort of like a sub, like a um, not subversive, like a um, intentionally sort of goofy, fun thing. Yeah. yeah. Let's put a pin in Bloodbeat. Uh, I really did enjoy it visually, musically. There's a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, Pat, we we often end these. Uh, bonus episodes where we'll look back on uh, what we've done over the years. Over the <laughs> you years. tell and me House that every year, year, and I go, we, we did do. Watch House. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we do. Uh, well, we kicked off this year with, uh, uh, given that it was our tenth year, we revisited Andre Rublev. Uh, did a a redemption episode, if you will, which is still one of the, my favorite um, things we've ever done. I really, really enjoyed doing that. I kind of fun. wish we could have more no, like, really fun. retrospective episodes where we like go yeah. watch something we watched in the first like hundred episodes that we did well, a that's, shit job. You on. know, once we finish the entire criterion, a thing that is impossible to, to happen unless there's some sort of <laughs> yeah. cataclysmic disaster. Yeah. Yes, uh, we had. We had a lot of good Charlie Chaplin this year. We did mm-hmm. Modern Times. We did. Uh, uh, we had that BBS box set with Head and we Easy liked Rider one and... and a half of those movies. <laughs> I thought the last picture show was fine. Marvin Gardens was I, the half we liked. Yeah, well, that's that's why that for me, I think it was um, it was was la- what was the we liked Head and then last picture show was a safe place we really liked to. Yeah, it was fine. But... I think we I think we almost liked over half of those <laughs> for a seven film box set. We liked a good chunk. Uh. Oh man, Antichrist was this year too. I liked Antichrist quite a that's bit. A, actually, that's a Von Trier Antichrist film I'll be thinking cool. about for a long time. I really liked Antichrist. Uh, I couldn't look at half of it because yeah. it was, in fact, actually scary. <laughs> uh, 
<laughs> like those the gore scenes in Antichrist are deeply, deeply upsetting. Uh scrolling through low points from the year for me. Uh definitely uh uh definitely the Mikado and Topsy Turvy. Hmm. Um did not well, Mikado was was Topsy- not good. Mikado was just not good. Mike Lee's film version Topsy Turvy fun enough. A biopic about people I don't care about. Uh, Criterion actually releasing a 1939 film version of the Mikado. I could have done without. <laughs> or just put it as a bonus feature on Topsy Turvy. <laughs> don't need an entire episode talking about that. I, uh, we did, we really did watch a lot of good movies this No, I mean, year, I, I, uh, I deeply, deeply love Merry Christmas, Mr. Lawrence. I think it is like one of my top, I, some number of oh, films yeah. ever. I, I enjoyed that so, so much. Um we watched House, and House melted my brain and changed the person I am to this day. <laughs> like deeply yeah. upset my conce- my conceptions of self in, in a weird way that you wouldn't expect a kind of goofy horror film to do, but it did. Um, yeah, we had the Music Room fairly recently too. Yeah, and that's I like that a lot. One that that completely, was good. Yeah, that's a paradigm shifting movie too. Uh, really Kronos great. was interesting. I liked Kronos uh, quite a bit. I'm I'm a little bit behind you on the list scrolling, but I I I liked Kronos a lot. Oh yeah, or Del Toro. That Kronos. was neat. That was just Stephen. Have you ever seen Kronos? I've not seen uh, most of the movies you've. I've, the oh, only one I've certainly. seen of all of these movies is House. Yeah, watch Kronos. Uh, Kronos watch Kronos. Please watch Kronos. It's on my watch list. I'm yeah. checking for some of these if they sound interesting. I'm adding them to watch list. This one's already on there. Yeah. It's on the list. Yeah. Oh, and we had Kess, Kess this year, yeah. Oddly enough, to, there was a uh, reference to Kess in Taskmaster, one of the episodes. Oh yeah, you know, no, Kess is a very famous movie in in Britain. Yeah, it's just not a famous movie uh, in, like where we're from, though. Yeah. So it's like I didn't know that much yeah. about it, and then just randomly it comes up. Yeah, Pat's. I finally got Pat to start watching. I've already finished it. Nice, all, but you know, of course you have, yeah. because that's how you consume Taskmaster. Yeah. <laughs> you watch one episode, and then three weeks and then later, you're out you've of watched them all. And you yeah. wake up and say, and "Where you go, am what I? What am I supposed to do now? <laughs> what and then year you is just it?" Sort of lay down on the yeah. floor for a while. Well, and then you like try the the Norwegian one, and then you yeah. know, yeah, I just like, I didn't even you try to scratch the itch. I, I yeah. was like, I saw I saw New Zealand, and I was like, I don't think I can handle handle an entire episode oh. of New Zealand accent. I don't think I could do this. It's really good though. <laughs> Is the it Australian good? and the New Zealand seasons are very good? I check, yeah, I, check, I like them yeah. a lot. I'll probably like it. I it'll take me an equal amount if, of time to watch that one as it took me to watch this one. I feel like the New Zealand one particularly has some of the most insane people who have ever been on. Yeah, any some of the master. the way that the New Zealand people in, approach these tasks is totally unhinged. It's <laughs> yeah. very okay. Fun well, to watch. then I might have to watch yeah. it. Now you're now you're getting me yeah. excited. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, back I mean, to the list. I think yeah, go ahead. Uh, <laughs> from the BBS box set again. I I do think actually uh, five easy pieces and. Uh, Drive, he said, maybe. Uh, Had shrugging his shoulders were, and were like, just, dismissively. I did not enjoy the, the BBS box set very There were so many, so many movies in that BBS box set that exemplified an idea of freedom that is at odds <laughs> with my own. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, as, it's, well, okay. So you can extrapolate. Uh, we talked about this in the episode. You can extrapolate that idea of freedom into why America looks the way it does right fucking now. Yeah, like there's yeah. a direct line of like, yeah. this is freedom. It's like, no, this is a garbage place that you that is terrible to be in. Thank you very much. I had never seen Easy Rider before we watched it this year. I have seen Easy Rider. And Rider. I yeah. was so bewildered mm. that Easy Rider 
exists as the cultural touchstone in the way it does yeah. for what the movie actually is. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I, there was like a, a podcast about the Manson family murders uh-huh. and about sort of like the, like the cultural shift around easy rider and the movies around it and what that meant as like the death of old Hollywood uh-huh. with the murders, the Manson family murders as like the real, you know, like sure end of that era anyway. So yeah. So that's the most I'd ever sort of heard it unpacked. Yeah. Um, yeah. About sort of like, yeah, the destruction of a certain kind of America in favor of a different kind of America basically. Yeah. yeah. Anyway. Interesting. Do yeah. You know, uh, I'll look it up. Podcast, you know? I'll look it up. It was really good. It could be called You Must Remember This. Oh, yeah. You Must Remember This is and they did a fantastic a, podcast I have not listened to for a long time. Uh, uh, and they did an arc about uh, the Manson family stuff that was really, really good. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Yeah. Charles Manson's Hollywood. Yeah. It's really good. I remember it being very good. Interesting. Well, check that out. Yep, recommended, especially after <laughs> having watched that box set and talked about what the the meaning of freedom is yeah. as espoused by those movies. That is a theme within this this Manson family murder story. Yeah. 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 Well, uh thank you for being on this episode. Thank you for having thank me. Thank you very much. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Yeah. Um you're about to get thanked again because we'll finish this as a bonus episode by thanking all our Patreon supporters, and you are one. If you want to get added to this list, you can head over to patreon.com slash lostincriterion. For as little as a dollar a month, get access to uh, bonus episodes that we do monthly over there, and then this special December one that gets released to everybody. And go back and listen to my bonus episode about Now You See Me yeah. if, you want, if you want the full unbridled Steven. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's a good episode. Always fun to talk to people about movies they really love. Uh, and that was a really great conversation. Uh, but thank you so much to all of our current Patreon supporters. Adam Speakerman, Andrew Lemoyne, Andrew Jarrett, Chris Otto, Eric Coronado, Jason Westhaver, Catherine Connell, Kevin McCandless, Mitchell Anderson, Nina Bajnak, Patrick Yako, Perry Ciccini, Stephen Goldmeyer. Hey, that's you. Hey. Tracy McGrath and Zombie Manos. Uh, so glad to have all of your supports. Uh, really helps keep us going gets our bills paid and that uh helps helps justify continuing to do this certainly and h- hello to the people on that list who i'm twitter mutuals with there's hey, a couple of you i recognize yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's yeah. right that's right the lost and criterion patreon bringing people together that's right <laughs> uh, we're we're old Thank enough now that so you can much. say like since and insert however long it's been you can be like since <laughs> 2010. it's true it's, it's true, it's true. I, don't uh, I don't know what year we started yeah. We've been talking about Blood Beat from 1983, uh, directed by Fabrice Ange Zafarathos, who never directed anything else ever again. And maybe that's for the best. I mean, we assume. I one think and, that name sounds One and done. So. Oh, yeah. He's probably just working under a different fake that, That's name. what I'm saying. I, uh, could, a lot of the names be, in this film be. sound kind of made up. So I think a lot of people went on yeah. and just like, oh, well, we need a, I, need a, I need a fresh start. Yeah. Could be. Thank you for another year of Lost in Criterion in the bag. Next week, we will uh, properly finish off the year by finishing off our uh, complete Jean Vigo box set. Uh, Jean Vigo is interesting, too, but we'll talk about him more. (laughs) Another thing for your 
for your two watch list, Stephen. Yeah. Okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. yeah. Sean Vigo is, is a fascinating person for somebody who only made like four movies. Yeah. And then died of tuberculosis. Yeah. Mm. Complications of tuberculosis. Pat corrects me like three times. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's <laughs> worth noting because he he died of the thing that kills people in this era who don't have a lot of money, which is like, it's true. Like nobody's taking care yeah. of you, and you can't just like run away to the to the Mediterranean, right? Thank you so much for listening, to Lost in Criterion. I am as always the Unglass. With me as always, John Patrick Oyatori Dorgan, and we'll see you next time. been listening to Lost in Criterion with co-hosts The Adam Glass and John Patrick Oitari Dorgan. With the collapse of Twitter, who knows what social media we might end up at. How about Blue Sky? That sounds great. Check out the official podcast account at lostincriterion.bsky.social. Jonathan Hape does our music, and you can check out more of his work at jonathan-hape.com or on any music streaming service. And you probably should. He's pretty good. A big thanks to everyone who supports us on Patreon. You can join their ranks at patreon.com slash lostincriterion. And hey, thank you for listening. <laughs>